human on planet Earth has an identity, visible, invisible, different varying levels of privilege or not privilege, how those identities might be really salient to how they make sense and how they experience the world or not, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have a relationship with DEI work in some regard. Hey everyone, and welcome to CNET Work, the podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen, and together with my team, I help businesses build more diverse, more inclusive, and more equitable workplaces. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a fellow diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, Jessica Guerrero. Jessica Guerrero is the global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Google Cloud. She's done quite a bit of work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, as you will see. And today we talk about the advice she has for all diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners, especially those who are new and just getting started. So without further ado, let's jump right into this one. It's a good one. Okay, we are here with Jessica Guerrero, and we are so excited to have her on the podcast uh, she is the global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Google Cloud Go to Market. And we couldn't be more excited to hear from her and to have her share her expertise in this space. Jessica, hi, how are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure, number one, to see you again, and number two, just to be here to talk on this phenomenal podcast. Thank you for having me. Ah, oh, no, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, for those out there who are not familiar with your trajectory, do you mind giving us a little background about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm a proud Philadelphian, born and raised uh, in South Philadelphia, and um, spent you know my entire career in the Northeast. I uh, started my career in higher education, where I've worked at a number of highly selective institutions from Princeton University, um, NYU, University of Pennsylvania. Um, my most recent appointment um, was at the Wharton School where I was leading diversity and inclusion for the MBA program. And then I decided to give higher education a break and found myself currently um, where I am currently at Google Cloud and leading diversity, equity, and inclusion for our go-to-market product area. And so it's been a wonderful journey. I still have ties to the higher ed community. I do work um, with uh, on projects with wonderful former and current colleagues still at the Wharton School. But, um, you know, that's a little bit about my professional career. Uh, I currently am in the New Jersey area. I have four children, ages eight, five, two, and one. So my time, as you can imagine, is very very uh, filled with lots of emails, video chats because of COVID, and then screaming children in the background. So if you see one of them pop on the screen, just don't be alarmed. There's, it's, it's a lot going on over here. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And as always, you make it look easy because um, you know we've known each other for a while now, and I hope you know how much all of us uh, admire you and the work that you've done in this space. So we're really excited to hear more about your perspective on your experiences so far. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, let's dig right into it because I know you came ready to discuss a particular topic 
as it relates to how diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners approach this work and how new people coming into the field can be thinking about this work. So please uh, give us a little bit of insight into how you've been thinking about this. For sure. Uh, you know, this is something that I've found myself thinking about a lot lately. I believe because of COVID and everything that's happening globally around the pandemic, you have a lot of people who are soul searching and really shifting from seeing work as, you know, something to pay the bills to more so of a vocation and yeah. a purpose. I've had a number of family members, former students, former colleagues reach out to me and say, you know, I'm really passionate about, you know, diversity work. I really want my time that I spend professionally to mean something. Mm -hmm. I've watched you. I've seen the work that you've done. Help me make the transition to the job. And, you know, initially, right, I'm like, the more the merrier, of course, like, we need everybody we can to drive this work. And some people have been successful in landing roles, um, some of those places at Google, some places in different industries, and have immediately experienced burnout, yeah. or really frustration with, you know, the, the profession, or even a disconnect between what they thought the work was and what it actually is. Yeah. Um, you know, and I recently had a conversation with a really, really great friend of mine who's also a former colleague two times over. So we worked together at NYU. We also worked together at Google. And he's now um, the head of diversity at Headspace. And uh, we have these monthly check-ins, these monthly virtual lunches. And, mm. you know, he said to me recently, you know, I really appreciate the way that you, you approach this work you know, you just have a, like a really good blend of like a good mindset about it. You manage your emotions well, and you actually are driving really progress, uh, really good progress. And you seem to be able to, to show up as your authentic self. I think people need to really understand and hear, right, how you've been able to strike that balance. And so that mm -hmm. kind of kept in this mindset of thinking about, wow, what is it that I think works for me that perhaps hasn't worked for other people? And that's what I wanted to really come on the show today and talk a little bit about. Yeah. Well, thank you for outlining that and for bringing this topic to the table today, because, you know, for those of us who have been in this, in this space for a while, uh, you and I have been doing this for a little while and, um, and, and others who have been here maybe pre the 2020 resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Pre George Floyd's murder. Um, there's maybe a more of an understanding of some of the ways that this really has a lot of complexity to it. And while others, like you said, have found success since jumping in, I think this is such an important topic because you're right. I think others are like, wait a second, what is this? <laughs> what is this thing that I've signed up to do? It's not what I thought it was. So this is such a great um, topic you're bringing to us. And I'm excited to hear you illuminate some of the, those misnomers, misconceptions, and also give some advice to those who are still really thinking about their place and, and how to show up as sure. practitioners. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So what has been on your minds around this in terms of what people thought they were getting into versus what they're finding? Absolutely. So it's interesting. I mean, you, you bring up the uh, kind of resurgence of Black Lives Matter and that's where we saw, you know, a, a, a big influx of people saying, right, like, again, matched with the COVID, 
Yeah. I need my life to mean a little bit more. These are things I'm deeply passionate about. And then you also saw, right, like a, a huge, significant increase in the amount of diversity related roles in, in companies and corporations before these were seen as things employee resource groups handle, right? To like, we actually need a, a re, like a full-time person driving this work consistently and continuously, you know, in our organization. So you kind of had this like, you know, this um, emergence and kind of merge of um, a demand, right? And yeah. also why, which is beautiful. Right. It's interesting because, right, when you think about Black Lives Matter, you know, people might label, right, that movement, you know, in the kind of activism, social justice type of space. And that doesn't always necessarily translate into the workspace. And that that's not a bad thing, right? Like we need every, we, we need to address systemic racism and systemic isms in general from mm -hmm. every different access point, right? There's no one way, there's no correct way to do this work. I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. Where I'm seeing the disconnect, however, is you know, a lack of understanding around how to translate passion to an mm -hmm. actual skill set. Mm -hmm. And so going back to some of the things that I discussed with my friend, Cord so his name is Cornell Woodson, um, you know, we, what I, what I shared with him is like passion doesn't necessarily, like passion isn't sustainable, right? And passions change all the time, mm -hmm. right? And so when I think about all the things that I'm passionate about, DEI being one of them, right? But I'm also passionate about cooking. I'm passionate about long walks. I'm passionate about writing, right? But I don't necessarily know if that has translated to a strong skill set and then also a desire to do that full time and professionally and like how I make my money, right? And right. so as, as a result, you know, um, I've I've seen. I would I, I started to say, yeah, like get a job. This is how I got hired at places like Wharton and Google and Princeton or whatever. Two, I kind of pulled back and I would say, that's great. Like what do you what do you think you're good at? Right? What mm -hmm. do you believe your skill set is as it relates to how you show up and how you thrive in the workplace? And then does that actually connect to what the work really is? And then mm -hmm. I spent some time really kind of walking people through exactly what the work is. The beautiful thing about where we are in this moment of time is that the work has also expanded beyond, you know, traditionally recruitment, right? Yeah. Or even like diversity trainings. Yeah. I think Google in particular has a beautiful ecosystem around DEI where we actually have expanded the work beyond people processes and have started to embed it in every practice of the business. And mm -hmm. so an example of that would be um, with our marketing uh, team. You know, they have an entire group of people led by um, a man named Michael Munoz that is driving inclusive marketing. What does, what, when you think about Google's communication, it's PR, it's marketing across all of our different products and brand and us as a company as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are the words that we're using? How are we holding our, you know, partners accountable to meeting us where we are with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, inclusive marketing? How are we making sure representation shows up in our images, right? That's mm -hmm. HR work, right? That is marketing work. When yeah. we think about um, what's being run by Annie John Baptiste, you know, she's our head, our global head of uh, product inclusion. And so when you think about how we design products for everyone, right, mm -hmm. just not for some, but for everyone, right, that's product management, that's engineering, right, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's design, that's not necessarily HR work. And so I yeah. try to 
people, number one, say there's many different pieces that you can kind of plug in around DEI. Like what, not only what are you passionate about, but like, what's your skill set? And then secondly, if, if you're really leaning into this work around this notion of social justice, help me understand like how you can influence without authority. How can you be persuasive in getting people to really develop the desire to change their behaviors, right? And Mm -hmm. even in some cases, their beliefs that work against uh, a company's DEI goals. How can you really generate buy-in around um, ideas that are not popular? How can you fundraise? You know, how can you think strategically and actually drive a strategy, right? When you think about strategy work and you're a Wharton alum, like that's an entire discipline, right? Like whether it's DEI strategy, corporate strategy, emerging market strategy, it's still a skill set that you need to have in order to drive, uh, you know, goals towards fruition. And so I really try to get people to think beyond their Mm -hmm. passion and think more so about their skill set, because I feel like it'll help them, number one, know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. Number two, really spend a little bit more time thinking about if this career switch actually is going to be fulfilling in some capacity. And number three, you know, help them understand that there's so many different ways to plug in to DEI related work. It may not always be to quit like your current job and then like pivot in, into this type of work. And yeah. so I spent a lot more of my time like thinking critically about that and really helping people think critically about the moves that they're making. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, you know, you, you mentioned this validation that there are different ways to do this work. And that there is a place and a time for that passion for social justice and for that activism and that that's necessary too, right? And so it's interesting to think about the ways that we're playing different roles in hopefully moving everything forward. Um, And so I wonder if you can speak a little bit more to that because, you know, what you're not saying is that there's no place for that. What you're saying is that there's like a lot there, right? Can you expand on that? Of course, of course. And I think it kind of connects to my point about there's multiple different types of DEI expertise and practitioner roles that exist exist in the workplace. When I think about the experiences that I've had professionally driving this work, I've also often been at the helm of the work, kind of connected to having to work with the leadership that needed some kind of growth around what the work is and how they needed to champion the work, right? So going in from a place of activism doesn't always get buy-in to get those people to number one, expand their thinking. Number two, just want to support the work that I'm doing from a a collegial perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And then also number three, get them to own the work in order to champion it. You, You can't do this work by yourself in an organization. However, there is place for activism in the workplace. Yeah. And some places that I've seen it successful, um, you know, Google has a very robust employee resource kind of ecosystem, right? I think we have, I want to say 11 or 12 global ones. And then you kind of, when you add up all the regional, the kind of a regional by way of geographic location to like specific office ERGs, product area ERGs. I mean, almost half of the company is involved in the ERG in some capacity, whether they identify as a marginalized group or they are an ally. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about how that kind of, you know, um, expands beyond, you know, these kind of trees and branches of ERGs, there has to be at least like 50 related ERGs at Google. So very powerful, powerful, powerful groups 
that mm -hmm. really, you know, not only champion the causes of the identities that they represent, but also work directly with our C-suite on really driving, you know, actions and initiatives that are near and dear to not only, you know, underrepresented groups, but that could really move the dial in this work. And um, our ERG community in particular were the ones that really worked hand in hand with our CEO to announce um, the racial equity commitments, right? That I think mm -hmm. are pretty revolutionary as mm -hmm. it relates to the public commitments internally and externally Google has made to drive racial equity specifically for the black plus community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that in my opinion is a form of activism, right? Um, you know, and at the same time you had DEI experts internally at Google who were working with the ERGs and also working with the leadership to kind of bridge the gap to ensure that that work got done, mm -hmm. right? And I tell people all the time, you know, to be diplomatic is a good thing. I, I, I think it's a, it's a virtue, <laughs> to be honest, especially in 2022, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, working in tandem with and working in collaboration with others is also a huge attribute kind of leaning on my experience um, at the Wharton School is something we place a high value on. Right. If, if you look at, you know, um, a lot of the data that really outlines like what makes a positive workplace, what is uh, drives towards innovation, what helps people feel a sense of belonging and value in the workplace, it is collaboration, right? Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. And so I'm not saying that being, being an activist means that you're not collaborative. It just, what I'm saying is, most certainly so. But when you when you take that work and put it in the workplace, you have to really kind of adjust yeah. how you're approaching right the work in order for it to feel right that you're mm -hmm. working in tandem with mm -hmm. others. Well, Even you know, others may have a different perspective, belief, behaviors, and actions than you. Mm -hmm. And you know, it makes me think of um, the evolution that we've seen generally within this space. I think there was a time when it felt like what needed to be elaborated upon was that this is a, a real a real role, that this is a really important role. I remember back, you know, feeling like DEI was looked at as a fluff kind mm -hmm. of role, not as important, not business driving or connected to those business outcomes the way that it is that it is. And so what we I maybe had to talk about then was all about that. And while there's some people who are still in need of convincing around that particular piece, it's interesting because this feels like maybe a slight evolution. Now we're, we're needing to think about, okay, what is the place within an organization of this, this role? What are the skills that are associated with it? And how do we move beyond the fact that it's important because it's not just fluff, but also because it's there's that influence piece and that people management piece and that stakeholder management piece. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what it's making me think about. Maybe this Absolutely. is like evolution. Absolutely. I would, I would also say, and this is something that you and I discussed before around stakeholder management, right? Like that's a big piece of the work. And I want to be clear that, you know, activism is a particular definition. Advocacy is, a, it, it, you know, is nuanced, but means something different, right? Like collaboration means something different. Stakeholder management means something different. I think all of those pieces, like the, if I were to give a click down beyond what that looks like. I would say the, 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 the goals that you set around DEI in the workplace should probably be 
activist driven, right? The work in and of itself is activism, right? Mm -hmm. The way that you show up in the workplace driving the work, I think has to do probably with some advocacy. You obviously, especially in this role, many times are put in a position to be the spokesperson for, to represent multiple groups. It's not the groups that you identify with, right? Right. All marginalized groups that you're advocating Mm -hmm. for in the workplace. When I think about stakeholder management, that's how the work gets done, right? Mm -hmm. You have to really figure out what's in it for them. How do they communicate? How can you meet them where they are? How can you, you know, nudge them on, you know, towards the journey of success? You know, when I think about collaboration, you know, Google is 160,000 employees, you know, the, the 200 people across Google that are doing DEI, are not going to do this work alone. You, there's no way. It's, it's not possible. We do not have right. to work with the time, right? right? And, right. and when I say 200 people, I mean, you know, our chief diversity officer, Melanie, Melanie Parker, her entire organization. You have people like me that are planted in the business, trying to drive mm-hmm. this work from a business lens. Mm-hmm. We have our entire people operations division who might be a couple hundred more people, right? Supporting mm-hmm. an organization mm-hmm. of 160,000 people. You need to work with other people in order yeah. to drive this work. You need them to be allies. Yeah. You need them to grow their skill set in order to do the work. You need them to show up in places that you're not present in order to still represent the work well and hold people accountable. And, you know, that's just what it is. And so, like, I feel like it's a combination of activism, advocacy, stakeholder management, strategy, collaboration, project management. You know, um, I do believe that you can also measure success in this work. Yes, it's a little harder to do. Right. But you can. Right. So you need someone who can be think very critically about what are the things you actually can assess. Right. And then hold each other to making sure that the work is assessed. And so that's where I'm thinking like the work is evolved and kind of going back to your point about seeing DEI is fluff. You know, um, this is something folks have heard me get on my little soapbox about this. But um you know, my husband uh, is a high school principal, right? He's taught, you know, almost every grade level and has worked in, you know, public school systems for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, up until the pandemic, he would always get these parents that's like, what's so hard about doing this, right? And like, you should be teaching the class this way, that way. And the teacher need to be doing this and y'all need to be doing that, you know, because we all have a relationship for the most part, right. And mm-hmm. with a schooling system, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we have some sort of warped understanding that because I've been there, I went mm-hmm. to school, you know, how hard can it be to teach a bunch of eight year olds, you know, fractions, you know, or, or get a room of five-year-olds to be quiet, you know, so you can kind of finish the storytelling session. You know, it's incredibly difficult. And it wasn't until COVID when, when the world, for the most part, had to educate their own children, where folks were like, wow, this is actually really hard. You saw all this stuff on social media, pay teachers billions of dollars. Yeah. You know, so it's funny because, <laughs> because I have the same perspective about DEI work. Like, Every human on planet Earth has an identity, visible, invisible, different varying levels of privilege or not privilege, how those identities might be really salient to how they make sense and how they experience the world or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all have a relationship with DEI work in some regard, you know, so it kind of creates this weird sense of 
what's so hard about like, you know, driving this work? What's so hard about it? I don't get it. All you need to do is just X, Y, and Z. And a lot of times we don't really see that it's an actual skill set, right? right? It's predicated on, you know, a deep understanding about the disciplines, whether it's, you know, sociology, social psychology, right? Business, leadership, uh, mm-hmm. you know, organizational effectiveness, you know, yeah. these are, these are all things, right? Like I would even go as far to say, you know, your ability from a scientific perspective, like your ability to, uh, you know, interpret quantitative and qualitative data and analyze it, put it in insights and to be able to communicate that out. It's yeah. a little bit of, you know, activism. It's a little bit of all these things that, that morph into this job. It's yeah. not easy to do. If it was, we probably would have solved all the problems in the workplace. Right. You know? <laughs> right. right. So, you know, that's, 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 and I think we're finally getting there. I do. I think, I think, I think companies and leaders are like, especially around um, the George Floyd murder. Why? Number one level of awareness. Yeah. Oh, well, this stuff really involves all of us. Just not some of us. Number two, why aren't we driving progress? You know, you had a lot of people asking questions like, what does our representation look like? Why are everybody, I can see why people are so angry. What are we doing about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then folks started to, who've never done the work before, lean into the work, whether they were looking for a full-time job doing DEI or not. And they decided, wow, this is really, this is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually am really enjoying you know, where we are in this moment of time, because we could probably, we have a a certain level of transparency and awareness around these issues in this work. We have the world's attention on the work, have a lot of resources around the work. And so maybe we could actually have some like real, real sustainable change. Right, right. You know, it makes me think a little bit about, um, you know, you mentioned a whole bunch of different skills that people need to have in this space. And you briefly mentioned how this isn't also just about your own identity. When you come in as a DEI practitioner or, you know, in whatever DEI capacity, suddenly you have to think about and learn about and dissect your own biases around all of the other identities that are impacted and or um, disenfranchised in your workplace and that need that elevating, right? Like there is a ton of learning that you also have to be committed to. So just wanted to highlight that piece too, because there's a lot here. You listed all these things. And and then also you need, you need to kind of be a student of the world yes. and understand these dynamics and in a global company, uh, especially then also thinking about how that fits into the global sphere. It's There's a lot there. Absolutely. And, you know, that's actually such a great point and an area of development for, I think, all of us in the work, quite frankly. I agree. Especially at a place like Google, you know, um, that we, I'm on a global team, right? I constantly am talking to wonderful friends and colleagues in our EMEA region, our JPAC region, our LATAM region. And, you know, DEI issues look different there, right? I can't be good at my job if I don't have some level of awareness about what's happening, right? Yes, there are some foundational things like understanding systems and how systems work, right? And systems, for anyone listening that may not understand what I mean, it's just kind of like the structures, whether they are tangible or intangible, 
um, around how people operate, the norms, the decisions that we make, right, that are kind of like on autopilot, which really, you know, elevate some groups of people and really exclude other groups of people. And, and, and these systems essentially were created originally on, you know, policies, laws, and other type of societal norms, right, that kind of stratified the way that we see the world now, right? And even though that those laws have been eliminated, you know, those policies have been abolished for the most part, right? Our thinking and the way that we operate and our behavior still reinforce those systems today, right? So that that systems work for the most part, in my opinion, is universal, right? But how it impacts different groups in different places, right? And then the unique histories, the cultural, ethnic challenges, right? Around those systems are things that you have to constantly be upskilling yourself on. Yes, it fits in this othering dynamic, othering belonging dynamic, but at the end of the day, like you're only gonna be good at your job if you can understand the nuances as well as give value to the individual experiences we all have in these systems. And so um, this is something I challenge a lot of, uh, you know, DEI professionals on, especially, you know, identify as African-American, you know, um, I, my family on both sides, my mother and my father are descendants of American slavery. And at the same time, I know that the work isn't only about Black people. You know, I've had to spend a lot of my time post-education, reading books, talking to people, reading research, right? Even visiting different places to get a better understanding of how these systems, right? You know, elevate and then also exclude and hold down other groups. And, you know, I encourage everyone, if you want to be really great at this work, you have to commit to being a lifelong learner. And your biggest strength is also admitting when you don't know something. Yes. You know, I wanted to start this podcast back when it started, uh, I think over a year ago now, which is fun to think about because I wanted to elevate this profession, really emphasize how complex it is, how impactful it can be, how important it is and give people that perspective when maybe, you know, now we're getting a lot more of it, but when maybe historically it was not something that was given that much of a, of a, pedestal and, a, and an, like just an understanding that like, hey, this is hard. There's a lot here. I mean, maybe pedestal is a bit much, but you know what I mean? Just elevating it to say that this is a lot of work and there are a lot of pieces to it. And in order to do it successfully, there are quite a few skill sets involved. And I just appreciate that you you brought that right in here to this episode with us today <laughs> and that you're talking about it uh, from your vantage point as someone who's been doing a lot of reflecting in this and who has clearly been doing the work for, for quite some time. We always close out the podcast by asking for advice for those out there listening who may be new to this space or who may be interested in doing their part in this work or who maybe are just looking for some inspiration as they continue this work. I feel like you've been giving advice this whole time, but do you have any additional advice you'd like to share? For sure. Thank you. And again, it's been such an honor to be on this podcast. And again, just to see you where you are, you know, for folks listening, we've known each other for some time and I'm just so incredibly proud of you and all the work that you're doing. And we need folks like yourself and platforms like this to elevate the work and also demystify the work, right? That's super important. 
my advice to people, especially now in 2022, who are experiencing burnout, who are questioning if this work is for them, who are even thinking about getting into the work, right, or, but a little bit hesitant to jump in, you know, it takes a really long time to see success in this work, right? I My advice would be persist anyway, you know? Um, the benefits, the long-term impacts and benefits of this work are monumental beyond the workplace, you know? And then also be mindful that there are so many different ways to get involved in this work beyond what you what you may think the work is. So reach out to people, whether it's on LinkedIn, in your networks or your expanded networks, set up coffee chats with people to really understand, you know, what their day-to-day is like, right? Learn from people who are doing the work, right? But doing it in different capacities, not just different industries, but different capacities. When I say different capacities, I mean like you could be working on recruiting and staffing. You could be doing community engagement by way of managing ERGs. You could be doing, you know, uh, strategy work. You could be doing learning and development. You could be doing product design. You know, you could be doing marketing. There's so many different things that you could be. You could do DEI consulting. You know, I know a bunch of people working at places like Deloitte and McKinsey, you know, Corn Ferry, who are you know, consulting on behalf of, you know, those companies for other businesses. There's so many different ways that you can get involved in the work. And if you're not looking to make a career switch, join an ERG, take a leadership role in your organization, you know, spend 10% of your time supporting the people in your organization who are doing this work for a time. They always need extra hands all the time, you know? And so um, I know that was kind of all over the place, but just to summarize, you know, I would say really kind of understand that the work takes a long time. You don't get instant gratification in this work like you might get if you like get a sale that you were looking to get or, you know, um, closing out deals or whatever. It takes a long time. Commit to it, you know, com- commit to the long the long run. And then also constantly educate and upskill yourself around what the work is, as well as expand your understanding of, you know, marginalized communities beyond the identities that you hold. Thank you for reminding us that activism has many forms and uh, that that we can feel encouraged to do whatever it is that feels right for us and for our paths in this work. Uh, this has been a lovely chat. It's been wonderful having you, Jessica, and hope to see you again on this podcast. Thank you. For sure. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was my pleasure. 